Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast. I am Rick Thomas. This is episode 124, 124. The title of the episode is A Proactive Model for Equipping Your Church. I want to talk about leadership development in your church. I want to share with you a model that you can implement in your church. This is one of the things that we do as a ministry. We come alongside church leaders, pastors, elders. We help them. We we are not the local church, and someone asked recently about our parachurch ministry and our worldview. Well, we have a simple worldview. All roads lead to the local church. We have a high view of the local church. Everything that we do is designed to equip individuals within local churches and, of course, work with the entire local church to help them to do so care more effectively, which will release them to penetrate their world more effectively. The stronger, more mature we are as individuals, as families, an individual makes up the family, the family makes up the church, the church penetrates the world, and so we work on all those levels individually within marriages, within marriages and children within the local church. I have two 10-minute videos, approximately, here that you can also watch in the show notes, this episode 124, A Proactive Model for Equipping Your Church. The first short video is leadership development for your church. I'll not elaborate on that, but you can watch this video if you want. It's 10 minutes. It's short. It'll, it will be helpful, especially if you are part of a leadership team or a single pastor, a solo pastor in a church. I would encourage you to take the time to look at this video, to learn how to think about how you can develop those key leaders that you have identified, or maybe they're not in a leadership position yet, but you see that they have the gifting and you want to identify, isolate them, and begin to equip them, and then have another 10-minute video called Body to Body Ministry, which is more about how to do soul care in a more effective way. Uh, with your people, and so you can watch that as well. There are five infographics, and that's really the bulk of this episode that I want to walk through. I'm going to try to give you a interpretation of these graphics, but if you can go to episode 124, I would encourage you to do that. I have three other links here, uh, articles that you can read more content. Basically, what I have is two or three hours of material here for you to reflect on, and so it would be well worth your time, especially if you want to do uh, this thing about having a strategic and well-thought-out plan for equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. It's vital for any church that wants to spread the fame of God more effectively, and so let's get into it. I want to have a few preliminary thoughts because even though this What I'm about to share with you applies to every church. Every church is not the same. Let me give you two illustrations of that. There's a difference between a church plant and an established church. If you're planting a church, you have more control over the DNA that you want to spread throughout the church because there's nobody coming to you yet. Perhaps you have a core group of 
of 5, 10, 15, 50 people. And you can have a series of pre-plant meetings and you can spend a year if you have that time developing this core group of people into what will be a church plant. And if it is a church plant, it will be easier to develop the DNA and then to maintain it. And then everyone else that comes into that church will be absorbed into that DNA. And that's like a healthy body. If your body is healthy and you have a a strong immune system, whatever comes into you, your body can absorb it, process it, and and continue with wonderful health. Well, that's what a strong DNA, and, a, and, and if it's a church plant, you can have that strong DNA. And then if you have an established church, well, that could be different. Say that if you are a pastor and, and they call you to a church of 100 people, 50 people, 500, 1,000, whatever it may be, and depending on what kind of DNA that you want to implement into this church, it could really be difficult, especially if your worldview on church is different from the established church. And changing a church that has been established for a while is a whole different animal. I mean, perhaps you could change it quickly, but you will probably split it in many different ways. And, you know, you can turn a big ship around, but you need a long, slow trajectory because you don't want to sling everybody off the ship. And so you want to take your time. And knowing how to do that, if you're coming into an established church, well, you do need to understand that. So there's a difference between a church plant and, a, and an established church. There's also differences in pastoral gifting. Uh, for example, you could have the controller pastor who tries to do everything versus the delegating pastor. And if it's a controlling pastor, it will be more difficult to have a discipleship type ministry because he controls everything, and uh, typically these are authoritarian-type pastors. They're not delegators, and they're weak on leadership development, weak on implementing discipleship within their churches because they are controllers. And, of course, these churches are, are born to stay small, and they'll always be small because you can't, you can't control people. You need to release people into the fullness that God is is working in their lives and if you can't or don't identify people's individuals gifts and develop them accordingly which requires a lot of delegation because once you develop them you got to let them go you got to delegate things this is something I've had to learn with this ministry in the beginning it was just me myself and I us three and I did everything, but I'm not a controller. I really love delegating, but in the beginning, I had to control and manage him because I had no other choice. There weren't any other people, but now we have a team of people, and I don't get up in their business. I, I trust them. They've been trained to do what they do, and I'm not, I, I, I've told them more than one time, I'm not, I'm not a micromanager. I'm a delegator, but if you want to build something 
to last. If you want to build something to grow, you have to be a delegator. And so pastoral gifting does matter. And then also there's another turn on this pastoral gifting. That there are different gift mixes, like a church planter versus a small group leader, pastor, and then a large church pastor. A church planter has a specific gift mix. He's starting from scratch. He probably is more of a controller, doesn't necessarily have to be a delegator because he's trying to create this strong gospel-centric DNA and and so you need to manage everything. Now, if he wants it to grow larger, he does have to let go of that and be a delegator and, and begin to develop people so that he can delegate and the church can actually mature and grow. But sometimes church planters, that's just, that is the limitation of their gift mix. And I don't mean limitation in a negative sense. It's just the way God made them. And they do better going from church to church. They can plant a church and get it going, get it up to about 100 people, and then hand it off to someone with a different type gift mix. And this could be a what I call a small church pastor. He has a gift mix that is great for a small church, but he would not be able to manage or lead a church of 500 or 1,000 or 5,000. And so you have a large church pastor, a whole different gift mix. Now, maybe you have an exceptional person who can plant a church, lead a small church, and lead a large church as well, and that's fine, but a lot of church growth can come from the church planter who moves on, and then the next person comes in and leads it up to a certain level, and then another person who takes it to another level, and and that's not unusual, and so not only do you discern pastoral gifting as far as a controller and a delegator, but you want to discern pastoral gifting as far as their gift mix. Are they a church planter, small church pastor, large church pastor, or some combination? And then finally, what you want to factor in in these preliminary considerations here is the worldview of the church. You can have a preaching-centered church, and there are a lot of churches like that. They believe that preaching is central. It is the beginning and the end of everything, and I don't believe that. I have a high view of preaching. I really do. Preaching is absolutely essential, but it's not the only thing because it's not the only thing in the New Testament. And so preaching is paramount, but in some churches, and I'm not going to get into the reasons for it, but they become preaching centers. A lot of times these churches have famous pastors because people love to come and hear those preachers preach, and they can become preaching-centric in their worldview. And then you can have ministry-centered type churches. These are the ones that are building schools in Haiti and digging wells in Africa and doing all kinds of things in their community, and and there's nothing wrong with that. I have a high view of ministry as well. But sometimes in the ministry-centered church and the preaching-centered church, the discipleship can, can be lacking. Sometimes you can become more pragmatic in these type churches to where character development doesn't matter. You're just 
you're just putting people in slots. They're filling positions, and they're not being cared for well. In my view, the best worldview is preaching discipleship-centered. And so you start from the pulpit preaching God's Word soundly, but then you have a strategic plan for taking God's Word and working it in to the souls of the men and women that make up the congregation, that they are being discipled, cared for well, individually, maritally, familially, and you're building up your infrastructure. And of course, to these people, then go out and do ministry, they go out and evangelize, and so a preaching discipleship-centered church, again, in my view, is better. So all of these things have to be considered because they can be liabilities to your church, or they could be wonderful assets to your church, and so those are my preliminary thoughts. Now, I have five graphics, again, episode 124, a proactive model for equipping your church. And in the first graphic, what I do is I identify the three demographics in your church. And there are three demographics within all churches. They're the same regardless of size. And in this podcast, I'm calling them attenders, members, and leaders. Those are the three demographics. It kind of follows Jesus' model as you as you look at his friend list. The attenders would be the multitudes, those who were out on the perimeter of his life. And then some of those came to him by night, like Nicodemus, and they became members of his team. And so they moved from the periphery to the inside and became members, and he had quite a few friends. He had a large friend list, but it was nothing like the multitudes, obviously. And then within that, he handpicked 12 leaders that made up his 12 disciples, and every church is made up this way. You have attenders, members, and leaders. Some texts that would help to think through this, for the attenders, I have Galatians 6.1 as an illustration. Paul said, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And so as a church, you want to uh, provide the resources to be able to help people to do soul care. Those folks who come in from the outside, you want to be ready to be able to take care of them, to provide discipleship care, to get in their families, to help their children, to build them up. And I'm using this text, Galatians 6, one. if anyone is caught, and I'm really focusing on the word restore here, kartatizo, restoration. And so folks come in from the outside, maybe they need to be saved. That would obviously be the, the first non-negotiable and essential restoration that needs to happen to them is to be regenerated. But then after that, they need to continue to grow now in progressive sanctification, and they become your attenders. But then we have this smaller group inside that larger group, and they are members. They begin to have a high view of the local church. They love the church, and they want to get more into it, and so they become members 
The text I have here is Romans 15, 14. Paul said, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. And that's what you want for your membership. You want them to be filled with goodness, filled with knowledge, and enabled to instruct one another. Because when those attenders come in from the outside to either be saved or to get whatever problems they have repaired, restored, you want a group of people who are ready to be able to take care of those folks. It can't be the pastor. It shouldn't be the pastor, not by himself, all alone, because his job is leadership development. He wants to equip the saints for the work of ministry, and that's where this membership category comes in. You want to fill them with goodness and knowledge and ability to instruct one another, Romans 15, 14. Now I realize the Lord does all that filling, but you want to cooperate with the Lord in this process. And then this smaller group, the smallest group of all, is your leadership. This is 2 Timothy 2.2. Paul was telling Timothy, he said, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You want to identify and isolate your leaders. You want to train them up because you want them to go out and entrust what you have put into them as Paul said, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The faithful men and women that you want them to teach are the membership. And so you see these three circles working within every church. Attenders coming in from the cold to be saved or to grow in sanctification. The members who are being filled with goodness and knowledge and ability to instruct and then this leadership team, they are the ones who you, as a pastor, that you are equipping for the work of ministry. And so that's slide number one in episode 124. Again, the title of this podcast, A Proactive Model for Equipping Your Church. Now, let's take this idea of attender, member, and leader, and I just want to give you three labels to help you think about it, the attenders you are providing for. So this is more provision-type ministry. They come in, they want, they ask about your children's ministry, your youth ministry. They want to know about your music. What's the preaching like? What other ministries do you have? What can you do for me? And so you are providing for them. And there's nothing wrong with this, by the way. It doesn't have to be anything wrong with it. We want to provide. And so this attender list, this group, this larger multitude, I, I call this the provision or providing. And then the member group, those who are being filled with knowledge and goodness and, and able to equip. This is the preventative group. You are you're getting out in front of them and you're doing preventative maintenance. The attenders, you're not doing preventative maintenance. You're meeting them where they are. You could say that the attenders could be more like firefighting 
where you're fighting fires. But members are inside. It's a smaller group, and you want to do preventative maintenance with them. You want to equip them. Get out in front of their problems. Now, some of them, obviously, well, we all have problems, but it's preventative. And, and of course, the more preventative that you do, then there'll be less firefighting that you will be doing. This is your members. And then, of course, leaders is proactive. It's the most intentional of all. You're laying down plans for them, and you are equipping them. It is high octane. It is intentional. And then you're building them up as leaders so that they can go out and help the members to do preventative stuff so that the members can go out and provide for all the attenders that come in. Now, let me give you some labels for these ideas of providing preventative and proactive. For the attenders that come in, a provisional type ministry, you're doing outreach things. You're going out into the community, you're evangelizing. And so your church is evangelizing, reaching out, waving the flag, saying, hey, come see a man like the woman at the well in John 4. You're doing outreach work. And then, well, they come. You know, They come to you. You know, we used to do, when I pastored, we, we'd do free gift wrapping at the local toy store. We set up tables outside and did gift wrapping in, in Christmas time. And we had hundreds of people lined up in multiple lines. It was so fantastic, and we wrapped gifts. It's just a way of reaching out to the community. But then those people will say, hey, I like what you're doing. I like what you're about. Now there's other ways of reaching out as well. Every person in the church has a neighborhood, a community, stores they go to, and they're always evangelizing or helping people. And so you're just, you're just reaching out providing whatever you can provide from your local church, hope, hoping that they will draw, be drawn in, that God will draw them in. They become attenders to your church, and as they are attenders, you provide resources for them. And I mentioned some of those earlier, youth ministry, children's ministry, give them wonderful music, great preaching, other things that you can do for them. And so this is provisional Outreach and resources would be two of the subsets under this provision. And then the preventative, the members, those who have, have a higher view of the local church, they come in, they want to be part of it. You won't, and, and part of your preventative work for them is preaching, obviously. We have a high view of preaching, and so they come in and they hear sound preaching, they're being affected by God and this is preventative. You also have Bible studies. You have small groups. You have all kinds of resources for them that is getting out in front of their problems, and they're being built up in the faith. And of course, you have many serving opportunities. One of the most preventative things that a person can do is, is to go out and serve, as you serve others and God works through you, you are built up in the faith. You may be helping someone else, but you're also helping yourself. You're maturing because it's narcissistic not to serve. And, of course, we want to imitate Christ. We, we are here to serve, not to be served. So part of the preventative for the members, preaching, Bible studies, small groups, serving, 
And then the proactive aspect for your leaders is training and replication. You have specific training for these individuals that teach them how to replicate themselves, how to replicate other leaders. And so those are some subsets under this idea. Attenders is providing. You have outreach and resources. Members is preventative. You have preaching, small groups, serving. Leaders is proactive. You are training and replicating. Now, I want to wrap up with with two final graphics here in episode 124. The two graphics illustrate the provision model and the proactive model. If your church is a provisional model, most of all, what that means is you'll have more attenders than leaders. You'll have more attenders and members than leaders. The leadership group will be small, and the attenders would be greater. And there, there are a lot of churches like this where the outer ring is larger than the inner ring. I mean, so large that the inner ring cannot take care of the outer ring, and they don't have a leadership development plan. And part of the reason they don't have a leadership development plan is because they're fighting fires all the time. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. And if the majority of the people in your church are squeaky wheels, you'll have no time to do leadership development, which is why it is essential that leadership development becomes the primary thing. And that's how we do our ministry, by the way, as an echo of what I'm saying. I spend most of my time with our mastermind team. It's why we don't engage. It's one of the reasons we don't engage people on Facebook, the multitudes, because I don't have the time, and I know I've known for 10 years now that it is imperative that I build up my infrastructure. If you don't build up the infrastructure of your church and people start coming to you, they will overrun you and you will be a burnt out, discouraged, cynical, angry pastor because you can't keep up because the infrastructure has not been built and you really won't last long. And so you want to be very careful, especially if you have a provisional worldview model where you're reaching out. These are like seeker-sensitive churches in the worst-case scenario of this, where they spend all their time reaching out. People come, and then they can't provide for them. Many of those who come go to other churches who have have thought out how to develop leaders and to mature the body of Christ. You don't want to overrun your church with attenders because that's an unhealthy body, and so the provisional model can get you in trouble quickly. A better model is a proactive model. A proactive model identifies and equips leaders to do the work of ministry. Now, this is, again, easier to do if you have a church plant because you can begin developing right from the beginning before the attenders ever show up. If you step into a church that's larger, that maybe has been a provisional model that's reached out and they have all these attenders or members, but they haven't done well on leadership development, that can be a tough church as far as changing the worldview. And you want to be careful 
You ought to move slowly because you can run everybody off or run a lot of people off. But a proactive model is the wise model. Jesus spent most of his time with his leaders. He built his infrastructure up, and he did it slowly. He did it carefully, but he built up his infrastructure so that they would be able to handle what was coming next. If you want to talk about this podcast, I would love to chat with you. Episode number 124 a proactive model for equipping your church. I have three articles linked in. In fact, one of the articles is a link to my book called Local Church. Love it, leave it, change it. I would encourage you to get that book because it will help you. It's about 30,000 words, and so it's about a third of the size of a normal book, a 100,000-word book, but I would encourage you to get that and read it. I have two 10-minute videos, Developing Leaders in Your Church and Body-to-Body Ministry, plus I have these five graphics, and, and plus I would love to talk to you about this. And so you can have ongoing interaction with me if you want. Go to our forums, rickthomas.net, and we can chat each other up. If you're not a member of our ministry, that's fine. Go on our public forums. If you are a supporting member, go to the direct to Rick and his team link, and you can talk to me there, and that would be wonderful. Thank you so much for listening. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.